Hi, I'm Laura Klopp, and in this podcast, Creating Safe Schools, I'll be exploring ways that teachers and administrators can make their schools as safe, welcoming, and affirming as possible. I'll interview members of the LGBTQ community to allow them to share their experiences and to allow us as allies to learn from them. I'll talk with legal experts, administrators, teachers, and we'll hear from the students themselves. Together, we can do our part to ensure that every student at school feels safe, confident, and secure. For more information on this topic, visit creatingsafeschools.com. Today I'm talking with Bells Ross, who is queer, asexual, and gender fluid, and goes by the pronouns they, them. Bells Ross is 16 and a youth activist affiliate with Youth Advocates for Change. They recently took part in a student walkout to protest Florida's new Don't Say Gay Bill. Welcome, and thank you for joining me. Thank you. <laughs> oh my goodness, I'm happy to be here. I'm so happy to, to be able to talk with you and share your story. So to get started, tell me a little bit about yourself and your journey discovering your identity. And was it difficult or did you find support throughout the process? Um. Well, that's a lot to unpack because there's three whole different things to talk about here. Um, The first thing that I came to realizing was that I was not allosexual and alloromantic, which, if you don't know, is the normal, normal. Um, I put that in air quotes. Um, As it belongs. Yeah. (laughs) The quote-unquote normal... uh, way that people perceive relationships to be like, oh my gosh, I have a crush, or oh my gosh, I want to have sex with this person. (laughs) The first thing I realized was that I'm not allosexual, I'm not alloromantic, I fall somewhere on the A spectrum. Um, And that came about in a really odd way during quarantine specifically. I had always known that something was a little different, but I didn't really express it all that much because people would talk about oh my gosh I have a crush on this guy or whatever and I simply didn't feel that way I felt like I never felt a crush I was like I either am neutral about you I dislike you or I want to be your friend (laughs) um and it became a thing. Like it, as I got older, a lot of people were like, "So, do you have a boyfriend yet?" And I was like, "No," and um, I never understood where that was coming from. And I just kind of brushed it off because I was I was younger, so the idea that something might have been different hadn't fully clicked. But it went on, and in quarantine and throughout middle school, I was realizing more and more. Oh my gosh. Something's different because I'm not having the same feelings that people are having towards other people. Am I am I a problem? Like, is something wrong? Is it my anxiety getting in the way? Because I do have a lot of anxiety. I have panic disorders. So I was like, could that be getting in the way? And so I looked into it kind of like half-heartedly for a while. And I was like, eh, I don't know. And then later I read something about aromanticism actually not asexuality and I was like oh this kind of fits it's kind of weird it kind of fits what's going on and so I researched a bit more and I was like okay I'm totally aromantic that is totally who I am and I've come to realize that is not who I am I'm somewhere on that spectrum but not at the definite aromantic spectrum end of the spectrum 
And I think, I mean, I would say personally, I think that's recognizing that all of these things that we define in such bilateral terms are really a spectrum. There's not you're this or you're this. I think for almost everybody, there's some degree of this or some degree of this. And so we as a society tend to just categorize everything in such a way that it doesn't allow for that exploration. Yeah, totally. And I like was talking to friends who are um, in the community themselves and they're like, if that's how you feel, that might be how you are. That might be who you are. I was like, oh my gosh, that's crazy. And I kept like stewing on it for a while. And then I realized, no, I just, I don't, I don't have the feelings of wanting to be as physical with people as some other people are. And the idea of sex kind of grosses me out a little bit. (laughs) I wouldn't say I'm necessarily repulsed, but I'm definitely like, eh, not, not my cup of tea. And now you made a distinction between aromantic and asexual. So, and one is where you don't feel, and I'm, this is my understanding from reading, so correct me if I'm wrong, because I'm an ally, I'm not a member of the community, and a lot of me working on this website and podcast has been accepting that sometimes I'm going to make mistakes in my understandings and my interpretations, and instead of being afraid of saying anything because I'm afraid of making a mistake, it's important to be willing to be corrected and to be willing to say, this is what I think I know. Tell me if I'm wrong, because I think sometimes people are afraid to say anything because they're afraid they may be wrong. And I think that sometimes keeps people from asking questions that help them be better allies. So my understanding is if you're aromantic, you might be interested in sex, but you're not necessarily interested in a relationship. And then if you're asexual, it's the opposite. You might be interested in a relationship, but maybe you're not interested in sex, or you could be both, you know, and, and or you could be some degree of either or both. Is that yeah. kind of the general distinction? Generally, yes. But um, if you are aromantic, you tend to fall on the spectrum of not wanting sex all that much either. That's what I've found just with talking to people. So it's not just sex machine it's 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 like there's there's something stopping you from that type of relationship that's just inbred in who you are and that was something I had to come to terms with when I thought that I was aromantic I was like oh my gosh this is crazy this is like seems so like vain or cheaty or something and it it really isn't it's just how a person is our society doesn't teach about that because because we don't include that in sex ed, because we don't include that in health classes, because we sort of define a normal, and we don't recognize when kids are younger, and they're growing up, there's a lot of normals. And your normal might not be the normal that the majority of the population identifies as, but that doesn't make it not normal. It's just as normal to have red hair, even though there aren't that many people that have red hair. Like, there's a lot of things that may not be a majority of the population, but are still perfectly fine to be. It's just who you are. And I think that's a distinction that if we maybe talked about it when kids were younger, not in a sexual way, not in a graphic way, but just in a straightforward way. There are some people who 
fall in love with men who are men and some people who fall in love with women who are women and some people who fall in love with whoever they want to fall in love with and the gender doesn't matter. There's some people who don't fall in love or who don't want relationships. It doesn't have to be discussed in a sexual way, I think. Of course. Well, obviously they're children. Right. Well, and that's, I think that's a huge part of the people who protest with this new don't say gay bill. I think they're trying to say, oh, you have these conversations and you're talking about sex with young children without recognizing that you can just say, there are some people that just aren't interested in relationships and leave it at that. And, and it's like, it's normal. Some people it's normal and they don't want a relationship. And that's not a sexual conversation. That's not an inappropriate conversation. It's yeah. just a recognition that might help some people, some kids growing up say, oh, okay, so I'm normal because I'm not interested in a relationship. And then also yeah. recognizing, and some people aren't interested in a relationship at one stage in their life. And then at another stage in their life, they might decide they are. And that's normal too. I think that's yeah. the kind of conversation that you can have at any age. And there's no, there's no reason that would be harmful or difficult or traumatizing. Yeah. And honestly, I find that kids take conversations like that much better than adults do because they don't have a prejudice on that type of thing. They're just like, oh, this is new information. Thank you for telling me. Right. Right. No, I absolutely agree. Little kids are very open to being accepting. And I think they have to be taught to to judge people who are like, they have to be taught. It's not just information. This is wrong information or this is inappropriate information. I think initially you're absolutely right. It's just new information. And yeah. they're like, OK, cool. So when you realize this and that you were what society doesn't deem air quotes normal, but you had friends that said, yeah, this is normal. This is just one way people are. How did sharing this with your family or your school? Like, did you talk with teachers? Did you talk with your family easily? How did that go for you? Um, with this conversation specifically, I didn't delve into it with school all that much because that is part of my personal life, in my opinion. So um, I didn't really share that with anyone other than my friends. And um, for a while, I did not tell my family just because I didn't want to confuse them. My <laughs> parents and my family are very accepting, but they get confused. And the fact that if I were confused about what I am and told them and it were to change or I got something wrong, they would be even more confused. <laughs> so I was like, okay, I'm going to figure this out for myself. And then once I figure it out for myself, I'm going to talk to them. And eventually I did have that conversation and it was very open-ended with both of my parents. It was over the summer after we had our first Zoom classes. I vividly remember it, both conversations with my mother and my father. Um, they both went well, but there was a few things that were like, oh, you really don't know much about this. So let me help you. <laughs> but they were open to listening. They were open to learning about it. Yes, for the most part. There's a few things where people have like, you know, prejudices that are put in them just from society. But both of them are actively trying to unlearn those as they have a child who is here and has these things that are going against what they thought previously. Just speaking from personal experience, my husband, who's my kid's stepfather, my daughter's gay. And my husband 
is not judgmental of her being gay, but he had trouble accepting because he worries about her in society. So I think a lot of parents, sometimes there's a reserve too that isn't about judging their child. It's more about wanting to protect their child and understanding how difficult it can be. Yeah. Yeah. I've seen a lot of that too, which is, you know, which is hard because I think sometimes then the children take that as not being accepted when that really is, I just don't want you to get hurt. And so I think that can be a problem, but I'm, I'm impressed that you were able to have that conversation with them and able to help them understand things they didn't understand. And I'm impressed that they were willing to listen and to learn what they didn't understand. I wish, I wish that was more common. Yes. I I wish that for everyone. Um, Because I have friends and family that don't have that and they weren't given that and they weren't blessed with that. And so they're in households where they can't be themselves or it's dangerous to be themselves even. And that's just not human. That's like, it seems inhuman treatment for someone. No, I agree. Um, having had students who I knew spoke with me, but couldn't speak with people at home. And, and that's one of the reasons I'm so passionate about schools creating safe spaces for people because sometimes for kids that's the only safe space they have is a teacher or a place in school or friends in school and if they don't have that at school and they don't have that at home there's no place where they're accepted and and how is that okay for anyone like like to not be accepted I mean it's not okay to not be accepted at home but at least schools can step up when that's the case and provide that so I'm sorry for your friends who experienced that um So this kind of leads us to Florida's new Don't Say Gay Bill, the Parental Rights and Education Bill. Um, (laughs) Yeah. And what about the parents' rights to let their kids be who they are? It depends on which parents have rights, I suppose. And the fact that they did remove the section that basically made you a mandated reporter if you had a student who you found out because they said, well, if there's a risk of, you know, abuse or harm at home, then it's it's no longer mandated. But still, there's a discouragement in the bill talking with students who might confide in you. There's a discouragement as a teacher worrying that you could get sued or your school could get sued because you talk with students about these issues. What does this bill, its provisions, what it says just by its existence, what does it mean to you? Like, how does it make you feel? Again, a loaded question. Um, When I first learned about it, um, I was sitting in my psychology class and my psych teacher was like, oh, my God. And uh, she had to pull me and my friend aside, uh, me being all the things that I am. And um, my friend being a trans man and pulled both of us aside and was like, hey, this is what's happening. I don't know if you know, but I want you to know, (laughs) because if you don't, this, it has something to do with both of you. And we both like looked at each other like, what? (laughs) Um, And my mood was kind of down for the rest of the day. Uh, And I came home and my mom was a counselor and therapist for children so she knows the telltale signs of things like this and she was like something's wrong 
talk to me. And so I started talking to her and immediately just frustration, anger, sadness, um, all kind of morphed together into this like breakdown of sorts where I was just crying and I was like, oh my God, this is like absolutely detrimental, not just to me because I am very lucky and I live in a very safe household for being who I am, but there are other people who aren't. And in some sort of alternate reality, maybe I'm in one of those houses and maybe I'm one of the people who gets harmed for who they are or God forbid, even killed for who they are. And I just, I couldn't think about that. I couldn't think about who would willingly put that into law, put just hate into law where we're already progressing so far. It's not enough, but it's progress. And it just seems like we're going back another 50 years with this bill that is now a law. If he hasn't signed it yet, I think, I mean, I don't think there's any doubt in anyone's mind that he will, but I'm keeping my eye very close on the news to see when it is signed, just to be aware. And with some tiny shred of hope that it won't be signed, that maybe Disney has yeah. enough money or, you know, that there's, there's opposition with enough of whatever DeSantis cares about that he won't sign it. I doubt it, mm-hmm. but yeah. Um, so this, I normally ask this later, but because you, of what you just said, I'll, I think this is a good follow on right now. If you had one of the legislators who voted for this, let's say you're one in one with one of them, and let's say they're going to listen to you listen to what you have to say. What would you say to them? I definitely share some experiences where I've just been like hated on and discriminated against just for being who I am. And the way that I feel like specifically with being um, gender fluid and being assigned female at birth, it's very hard to pass as anything other than female. And just the not gut-wrenching because it's not nearly as extreme for me it is for some people but it's just like that drop when someone refers to you as a girl as a woman and you're like that's not 100% correct and on some days it's 100% wrong is that why because um I introduced you using the pronouns they them which you told me were easiest but you also say use any pronouns when you have preferred pronouns that may change because of your gender fluidity, do you let people know, like, are you open to saying, um, please use the pronouns, whatever they are on a given day, but it may change tomorrow? I mean, do you feel comfortable enough with people saying that? And how do people take that? Are most people okay with it? Or are most people just confused? Or do most people say, no, I won't do that at all. I will call you she, which I hear is often the case with some teachers and administrators, at least. Yeah. um, I'm not one of those uh, people who identify as gender fluid that like have pronouns change day to day. And it's like absolutely detrimental and dysphoric when someone says something that isn't what you feel that day. I tend, I don't feel 100% she, her. I don't feel 100% he, him. I'm just kind of, I float around in that middle area. And I just, I'm like, you can use anything for the most part, 
But if you do use she, her, just add in a they, them, add in a he, him, just throw something in there. So I know that you're not denying who I am. So you're, you're open to basically, well, it sounds like you're open to people understanding, like if you have a teacher, because one thing, again, that I look at a lot is teachers who want to understand and want to be allies. But like you said about your parents, sometimes you have habits, sometimes there are things that are set in, and you might have 40, 50, 60 years behind you of not really understanding that people don't use their pronouns assigned at birth and not really getting it, not not being an ally, but not really looking into it or understanding it. So if you had a teacher who said she and then said she, he, I mean, and, and said, okay, I made a mistake and I'm going to correct it. Like you're, you're forgiving of that. That doesn't, you understand the attempt is there without being upset by it. Or I mean, how does that, that, that makes you feel how? Well, of course people are going to make mistakes, especially if they're of an older generation and their world never was as open until now. Um, obviously there's going to be mistakes. People are human. Um, but there's a certain threshold that you can pass that you're just like, okay, you're not trying. (laughs) And when you're not trying, then I get upset. It's the effort. It's seeing the effort and understanding that there's effort, not being perfect, but also progressing because someone who is making effort is getting better. It's getting better as time passes. Okay. So speaking again about the Don't Say Gay Bill, your high school had a protest, um, a walkout, right? I wouldn't call it a walkout. (laughs) Oh, how would you describe it? Um, At my school, there's apparently a lack of organization and you need to have admin on board in order to do protests and walkouts. And we didn't have either of those, organization or support. So it just became those who were planning on walking out anyways, just bringing in a pride flag or putting on pride makeup or something um, to more quietly protest it, but protest it nonetheless. Um, There was another walkout scheduled like two weeks after the original one. And I tried very hard to get some planning and some organization behind it. And it didn't work. Um, And so I did nothing for that one. And I felt absolutely terrible. But I'm trying extremely hard to reach out to anyone and grasp at straws and be like, hey, is anyone listening to me? Because I have things to say. Did you feel like the second one didn't work because administration wasn't supportive or that you didn't have the student like interest behind you? I definitely had student interest behind it. It's just, it was like replies for people that I was trying to get to back it and to help bring it to people. It was, replies were very late, communication was slow, and I only had two weeks. And then again, you have to work through the different levels of admin and finally get it to the principal, finally get it to the vice principal, and then they have to say it's okay, and then it's got to work its way all the way down. So two weeks was not enough time for something like that in my school, which is giant. Okay. How many students are in your school? I wouldn't be able to tell okay. you. <laughs> giant. So it wasn't the sort of thing where you could where you had the kind of access where you could go to the principal and say, hey, principal, whatever your name is. 
I'd like to do this. How, what do I need to do to get it going? It wasn't that easy. Yeah. I'm working on that now. I've only just gotten a response from one of the um, supportive administrators at one of the lower rungs um, today. I emailed her before spring break. I think it was the week we left. I emailed her and she's only just gotten back to me. But then again, she's very busy. So I don't doubt that she didn't have my interest at heart with that type of thing. So, I mean, it sounds like you do have some support, but it sounds like the bureaucracy at the school is is massive and and difficult yeah. to navigate. Overall, do you feel like your school has a supportive environment? It feels like there's corners of the school that are supportive. But most of the time, you just kind of have to put your head down or hold your head up high and risk, you know, getting harassed for it gotten harassed you've gotten bullied yes have you reported that when it happens no it's never gotten to like an insane level it's never gotten to an unmanageable level it's just been like looks and people who I don't know flip me off in the hallway or anything and I'm like yeah, it's fine <laughs> I'm a pretty go with the flow person until you do something that crosses a line and then I'm like okay let's be confrontational now do you do you have teachers you can speak with when things like that happen it sounds like you're one of psychology teacher right is very supportive you have teachers you can go to when things get difficult at school I do but with the new bill I don't know <laughs> that might change feel unwilling to talk with them maybe out of fear that it could come back on them yeah, because they're very nice people and they do their job well. I just, I would hate to be the reason that they get fired. I hope every person in support of this bill recognizes that you're saying that you would, you would subdue or suppress your own need for support to look out for a teacher who would be there for you. That you would protect that teacher, even if you needed something from them out of fear that they might get fired. Like, I hope people hear that because that's a, that's, that's a level of, you're already the person being harassed. You're already the person who the bill is aimed against. And yet you're willing to take that hit to support your teachers. And, and that's a degree of selflessness that I think a lot of people could learn from. Well, that's something that I've had to unlearn a little bit. Um, if you knew me three years ago, I would give, I use the analogy of having a uh, bouquet of flowers and I would just give away flowers until I had nothing in, left in my hands. And then I'd be like, where did everything go? Why do I feel so empty? Why am I so sad? Why am I anxious? What is this feeling? And so I've had to unlearn that, but some of it still sticks with me a little bit. Yeah, I mean, we all, I think, have to learn if you, you know, it's putting the, the oxygen mask on yourself first, right, in the airplane before you put it on someone else. You're not doing anyone any good if you pass out while you're putting oxygen masks on everyone else. So take care of yourself first. But I will say, as someone who was in that role as a teacher, and I would imagine that most of your teachers would feel the same way, the supportive ones. I don't 
I would have been heartbroken if I had known that a student wanted to reach out to me and chose not to because they were afraid of a law or a bill. I would say bring it on. And if you want to sue me, then we'll go to the ACLU or we'll go to Lambda Legal and we'll fight this. But to think, because your primary role as a teacher, as a good teacher, your primary role is to protect your students and to be there for your students and to make sure your students are safe. It's to teach them, but who can learn if you don't feel safe? Who can learn if you don't feel accepted where you are? And so I can guarantee you that if you were to talk to the teachers who you know are supportive, that they would say to you, don't, don't do that. Don't hold back. If you need to talk, talk. We're here for you. Um, just, just saying that. As, as a teacher, I can pretty much tell you that your supportive teachers would say that same thing. Have you ever heard a teacher or an administrator at the school use any kind of slurs or anti-LGBTQ language? Not me personally, but I have definitely heard it through the grapevine, through people that I know are very trustworthy, and I've heard it from many people. Thankfully, he doesn't work at the school anymore, so that's fun. (laughs) That's good. That's good. For whatever reason that they don't still work there, that's good that they don't. Um, I've heard some I've heard some stories from people I interviewed about some extremely unsupportive still school officials that sound really bad. So yeah, does um did your high school have a GSA? Um, we do, but it did have to be renamed because it was too politically incorrect. It was renamed um, Hawks for Humanity. A hawk is our mascot, and it's just it's like a support club at the school. That's illegal. It is illegal to force a club that has been called a gay straight. It's, it's illegal to force a club to rename itself if it's a gay straight alliance. If you're, if you're interested, I'll shoot you when we're done my website. And when you look at the page GSAs in the law, this has been legislated in court and it is illegal to force a GSA to take a name other than gay straight alliance. And the ACLU and Lambda Legal will actually take your school to court over that if you contact them. And there's contact links on the site. Um, I don't know how much of a fight you do or don't want to have, but they are not. The school is not allowed to deny it the same access to advertising, including like if they announce club meetings over the announcements, they have to announce them. Cannot force you to change the name. Cannot give you less meeting space, less ability to sell promotional materials. Like you are required by the Equal Access Act to be given the same opportunities and they are not allowed to force you to change your name as a club. Are you a member? Yes. And I believe next year I'm being promoted to an officer role. I would look into if you are willing to take on a fight. One thing that's been proven is when people in GSAs fight back and when they get ACLU or Lambda Legal to say you can't do that and ACLU or Lambda Legal legal files a lawsuit on their behalf, school districts are smart enough to know the law and they're smart enough to know they're not going to win that in court and usually they back down and usually in order to avoid more lawsuits which are expensive they stop fighting giving clubs the right to name themselves and giving them the right to have equal access. So I'll I'll send you that link when we're done, but I would look at it and there's two links and they just basically send you some contact forms for ACLU and Lambda Legal. And I would say they forced our club to change its name. Can we do anything? 
the name matters because if someone in the school hears of Hawks for Humanity and doesn't know what it is, it's not serving the purpose of making them feel safe. Even, even if they don't join the GSA, the very existence of a GSA that's acknowledged by the school makes all of the LGBTQ kids in the school feel safer because they say, I may not attend this club. I may not want to out myself. I may not want to be open in the community, but knowing this exists in the school makes me feel safer because I know there are people in the school that support me. So when they force you to change your name, they take that away. They take that away from people. When they force you to call yourself, you know, like a multicultural club or a diversity club or whatever, they take that away. So there's a reason that having that name can be important, just just to let you know. I mean, if it's something something to think about, um, it's it's a message, and it's a message that says you can't tell us that we can't say we're a gay straight alliance because that's what we are. Or you know, yeah. a lot of schools have changed it to genders and sexualities alliance or other things just to incorporate the spectrum that goes beyond being gay or being straight you know there's so many other aspects of being lgbtq but they try to keep the gsa initials because that at least has that meaning for a lot of people so and that's unfortunate to hear um that they would that they would have done that and hopefully that can be changed so talking about teachers and other supportive adults in your school when you have a teacher or an administrator or someone who's an ally, what are the clues? What are the things that you notice that show you or tell you this person is an ally? I don't know. I'm pretty good at reading people in general, so I can kind of tell that. And I do have a support system at home, so I can be open about it. And if something were to happen, I could have support at home to fight it in the school. And I'm not afraid of who I am. So I'm I don't really hold back upon saying things like that, but I can generally kind of read it, read the person and be like, hey, uh, they seem like they're going to be cool with who I am. Um, some people write their pronouns on the board. Um, some people keep progress flag stickers in their room. Some people are like, if you have a different name, just tell me, I'll change it. But for the most part, I don't really have a thought behind it, like a thought process behind it, just because I do have that support and I'm not afraid of who I am. So I can just be like, hey, my name is Bells. It doesn't say that on the roster, but that's what my name is. And that is not those are not my pronouns. So just change that and we'll be good. I definitely wish that was something that all students had. Um, I know I definitely had students who told me their preferred pronouns, but didn't tell other teachers and didn't tell it to other parts of the school, which is hiding yourself where you are most of the day. So do you, um, even minor, seemingly minor, it's not minor, when you have things like students who say, oh, that's so gay, as a, you know what I mean? Using that as a derogatory phrase. Do, you, do your teachers say, don't, don't use that as a derogatory phrase? I don't want to hear that in my presence. There's a reason that's hurtful to people. Do they correct language because I think a lot of teachers don't think to do that without recognizing it seems minor but it's really not minor you know it's indicative of a culture yeah um 
I don't really know because I haven't experienced that in my classes. I don't hear that very often. That is something I definitely heard a lot in middle school, but I hear a lot less of it now. I haven't been in a school in two years, so maybe it is changing. Maybe that's just working its way out of the vocabulary for good reason. So that would be that would be good to hear. That would be good to know. Or it could be who I hang out with because I don't hang out with people who dislike who I am. So it it just might be the way I surround myself. It might be I'm not listening for it. But from my experience, I don't hear that very often. If school personnel at your school were like, we want to make our school feel safer. We want to make everyone just intrinsically feel like this is a safe space, a good space. What are some things that you could tell them that they could do to support the LGBTQ kids at the school? I would just say normalize. Um, I know it's going to be difficult because a lot of people, that's just not how they've lived for very long. But normalize saying, my name is blah, blah, blah. I use these pronouns. Or um, normalize, especially at younger ages, being like, some people have parents that are both girls. Some people have parents that are both boys. Some people have parents that aren't either. And it might be different depending on who you are it just seems like normalizing the fact that people can be different from the cishet norm quote unquote would be the best way because i don't need people to like scream from the mountaintops oh my gosh i'm an ally support the gays but just because i'm not going to put you on a pedestal if you do support me i'm just gonna be like okay you're a decent human being. Right. It doesn't, I mean, I don't think it, I, I think it's the same support you should give to all of your students. I think that that's, I think that can be tricky though, because you look at something like the safe space sticker and teachers are trying to declare themselves to be an ally so that students go in there and say, okay, this teacher is an ally. But then there's the other side of that coin, which is like, that's great, but that should really be the rule, not the exception. It, you know, it's, you're not doing something special by being an ally. You're doing something unspecial by not being an ally. Like you're, yeah. and, and I, I think, I think most people who are allies realize that, but I also think that they, you know, it's a balancing act because I had one person I was speaking with who works in a school system in an interview and they said, they said, you know, the safe space stickers are great, but they're saying this, sa this space is safe. Why not say the whole school is safe? I kind of had this idea that administrators or an ally teacher should just put like a safe space sticker or a safe space poster and a list of top actions allies can take that people might not even think about, like say, hey, if you go by a different name, let me know, or make sure you tell me your pronouns, or even just write your pronouns on the board and just put one in every teacher mailbox, give one to every staff member, every person who works, you know, every custodian, every maintenance person, every person who works in the office, guidance counselors, administrators, give one to everyone so that the school you know, and so maybe 10 or 15 or 20 percent won't put them up or will be angry. But maybe you'll have teachers who say, oh, all right, I'll put this up. And, and it'll become much more 
just the norm that they're kind of everywhere and it's not a big deal where they're up and much more of the exception will be where you don't see them. That would be my hope. Yeah. Let's say you can look into the future and it could be what you want it to be for LGBTQ adolescents in school, in home, in society, in Florida, wherever they are, what future would you see? Similar to school, it to the question on school, just normalized, just normalized being queer, being trans, being non-binary, being whatever you are, um, just have that being normalized and not stigmatized and seen as something that is different. And of course it's different than other people, but it's not bad. <laughs> it's something that's just as normal as breathing air. It just has to be something that people put into society as just, this is how some people are. You can be this, you can be this, you can be whatever you want, because if you're not hurting anybody, what's the point of being hateful towards it? I'm here if, if anything happens at school and you want to talk about it. If you know anyone who might be interested in talking, I want to just share as many stories and perspectives and I want to make sure that people see not only that the LGBTQ community is filled with real people with real feelings, but also that every person, and it's not a cookie cutter thing. It, it's, it's, a, it's just as much difference as every other element of society where there's a hundred different ways that someone can approach being LGBTQ and what things can mean to them. And, and hopefully that can help normalize because that can help it just be, hey, there's this person and they have this way that they live and there's this person and they have this way that they live and, and it's just who they are. And then start to make that a reality where people just say, okay, cool. And I know it's just one small part of the iceberg, but hopefully it's helping. And so if you come up with something else you wish you had said, if even if you want to just do a little 10 minute quick thing, you want to rant about something, something happens at school that you feel like needs to be talked about. Or if you know anyone who wants to talk with me, I'm going to keep this going and talk to anyone who wants to talk to me. So um, feel free to give anyone. You've got my phone number. You've got my email. You can give them to any person who might want to speak to me. That could be a parent, a guidance counselor, an administrator. If an administrator wants to yell at me for doing this, and telling you you should take them to court for telling them that you should be a gay-straight alliance if you want to be a gay-straight alliance and not a hawks for humanity. Give them my information. I will interview them, too. Like, maybe I can say, hey, why are you doing this? Why does this make you so mad that they want to be a gay-straight alliance? It's it's what they are. It's It's what they represent. What's wrong with that name? There's nothing wrong with that name. So if there's anyone that you think would want to talk with me, um, now, I'd much prefer to talk with people who are like students like you and not an angry administrator, but I will. <laughs> and so please share my information with anyone who you think might be interested in sharing something. And I will listen and I will talk. And, and if they just say, I don't want to answer questions, I just want to talk to you about what's going on, I'll be like, all right. The biggest, um, the most clicks and the most listens I get are my interviews with students. People want to hear what you all are having to say. I did a lot of other stuff on the site and it's pretty good stuff, but it's my, it's my interviews with students that people are wanting to hear. 
So your voices, right. your voices are important. And so if you know other people who want to share their voices, send them my way and I will get a platform out there and it's out there and it's out there forever. So you might have a hundred people listen to it this week and 200 people next week and a hundred people the week after, but eventually maybe thousands of people have heard your message. And all right. I hope I've spoken eloquently enough to be understood. I've <laughs> been, I mean, you've been amazing. You've, you've been eloquent. You've been composed. You've been, I, you are, you, you were just excellent to speak with. You had such well thought out and relevant answers and you were truly a delight to speak with. And, and I really appreciate your time today. Of course. Oh my goodness. Thank you. That feels so nice to hear. <laughs> oh, hundred percent. Now you, this interview is going to be amazing. And you were really, I think, powerful in what you said. And, and I really appreciate your time. Thank you so much. <laughs> yeah, so reach out. You have my information. I'm here if you want to talk at all. If you just want to do a follow-up, if you want to reach out. So you're 16, so that would make you a sophomore? Yes. Okay, so you have two more years to see how things change. If you decide, if you decide to fight the name, if you decide to reach out to Land Illegal um, or ACLU and say they won't let us call ourselves a gay straight alliance and we want to fight that let me know that you're doing that because i want to follow that journey i want to follow that process as you find All it right. because that's one of those things where it's like don't say gay it's what's in a name right and them mm -hmm. not letting you have that name it seems like it's not that big a deal right it's just a different name but that's the whole reason it is a big deal because it's 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 the embodiment of don't say gay you can't be a gay straight alliance you have to be a hawk for humanity you can't just be support of the lgbtq community you have to be for everybody what's wrong with yeah. being for the lgbtq community what's wrong with being an alliance of people who want to support the lgbtq community and to uplift the lgbtq community like there's nothing wrong with that and to say you can't use that name, that's, that's, don't say gay. Like, literally. Yeah. And so I, I hope that you or someone at your school wants to fight that. And if you do, I want to follow along as you do. And I will support you in any way that I can. Your voices are so important. Just like why I want to talk with so many LGBTQ kids and, and allies, but LGBTQ kids mostly. Because your voices and your stories the way we normalize things that haven't been normalized is by talking about them. That's why the don't say gay bill is don't say gay. If you talk about things, you normalize them, and they're afraid of these things being normalized. So don't let them win. Like, use that voice and use that voice every chance you get. And, and that's what will normalize things that right now people are just afraid of. And you know what they're going to realize? some point people are going to realize it's normalized and the world didn't collapse on them. Life didn't end. Everything wasn't awful. Like it, it was normalized. And guess what? It's exactly the same world we were in before, just a little bit better for 10% of our population or a lot better for 10% of our population. You know, that's, that's the change it'll make. And your voice is a part of that. I, I could listen to people's stories all day long and understand that every person has a different story and every person's unique story made them who they are. And every person's yeah. story is changing every minute of every day. Kels Ross, thank you so much for your time today. I really, really enjoyed our conversation. 
and I hope to stay in touch and talk with you again at some point. Thank you. I'm definitely going back into my advocacy, so there might be more to hear from me later on. Please join me next time as I speak with more students in Florida. Have a great day, stay safe, and thanks for listening. Please leave a comment and share this podcast with your friends. Together, we will create safe and welcoming schools.